And today on Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard with us. We're going to take a look at the financial advice process. If you've ever wondered just uh, what's involved and why it might be an idea, stay tuned. We'll also have our weekly market update with Henry Jennings, Senior Market Commentator at Marcus Today. And we'll take a look at how our currency and commodities are travelling, stock market mm, looking a little bit shakier than it was a week ago. And Stephen Pritchard, gold is looking like a good prospect at the moment, is it? Uh, gold's looking like a good prospect, yeah. It was up uh, $141.32 an ounce since last week, or uh, 6.7%, so that's not a bad return for the week. Um, copper price was down $250 a tonne, or, or almost 3%. Um, and the nickel price was up uh, 4.76% to uh, by $1,005 a tonne to $22,109 a tonne. And the crude oil price was down uh, $9.60 a barrel to $84.87. Mm-hmm. Oil down. Oil's down. Even though, <laughs> yeah, all right, let's get on to the markets uh, then. The currencies, the Australian, <laughs> oh, dollar, currencies, the Australian dollar's down to the lowest level against the US dollar since their GFC, mm-hmm. uh, 67.66 cents mm-hmm. uh, US, so it's a bit more expensive to go overseas. Um, we're down to 55.72 uh, pence against the UK pound. And against the euro, we're down to 60.4 euro cents. So all currencies, Australian dollars down against. Down a little, okay. Stay at home, don't travel overseas. (laughs) And (laughs) for people who invest in the equity market, we're... we're, um, yeah, well, there's lots of red there. So against the Australian Ordinary in the week, it was down 283.4, I think, what, Tuesday? There was lots of red. Lots of red, was wasn't red. there? Yeah. <laughs> Bounced a, a little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was 6,588 um, so, so yesterday. Um, the S&P 500 was down 69.6 on the week to 2,883. Um, and the UK FTSE index was down 386 to 7,196. And the Hang Seng was down uh, 1,568 to 25,997. And what about some of our favourite stocks? Some of our favourite stocks? Well, I don't know if they're favourites anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, BHP was down $3.51 to uh, $36.75. Um, CBA was down $3.22 to 787 um, NIB was down $0.31 cents to $7.66 and Telstra was down $0.05 cents to $3.90. So Telstra's yeah. still up. It is um, still up, still yeah. Up from where it was. In fact, most of those are actually up at a reasonable level. Oh, they're still up from where they level. were, uh, yeah. you know, even... Um, even uh, eight months ago, yeah, yes. So, yes. So it's just the last few weeks, really. Um, and the the fuel price in yes. Newcastle, uh, dollar thirty nine, which is down yeah. by four point three cents this week, and Sydney a dollar thirty, which is down six point six cents. Okay. And the diesel price in Newcastle was down point uh, one of a cent to dollar forty eight point six, and Sydney a dollar forty four point nine. Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard. Nice to welcome Henry Jennings along to the show. And it's always nice to welcome Henry Jennings along. It's always nice to welcome you back, Stephen, from your travels. That's good, Henry. It was a bit warmer there some days. but now oh, was it? Back. Where were you? Uh, Brisbane, then Noosa, then Byron Bay, then no. it was no. cold. It was cold in Byron Bay. It was cold and wet, oh, e- really? except, except for the last day. But I had well, to come home. Yes. Yeah. Uh, typical. Yeah, always, always the way. Typical. Yeah. 
anyway. Anyway, so we're back here, so and I find the the the, the ten year bond rate dropped below one percent. <laughs> yeah, we've had some uh, we've had some extraordinary times while you've been away. Stephen, um, I I have to say, bond rates around the world have been tipping over. The ten year bond at the moment here is point uh, nine seven of a percent, and what's been happening is as the um, the Trump um, trade war assault on China has gathered more momentum, he's slapped, slapping another ten percent on uh, around three hundred billion dollars worth of um, products come the beginning of September. Um, he is pushing central banks, or his Fed anyway, to cut rates to counter the trade war. And um, everybody in the world seems to be having a central bank which is trying to cut rates. Uh, the RBA met the other day and didn't cut rates. We're at 1%. But the New Zealand uh, Reserve Bank cut rates by half a percent yesterday. And um, it's kind of a race to the bottom in who can get to negative interest rates the quickest. And, and this, this new um, assault by Trump has brought out uh, the Chinese in terms of uh, uh, potentially devaluing their currency. Um, and they've now been labelled a currency manipulator, which is one of Trump's uh, election pledges. So um, doesn't mean a whole heap of beans, I must admit. But um, the, the, um, the trade war is definitely entrenched, and there doesn't seem to be much sign of um, any kind of um, pullback in that. So markets had a bit of a tumble. Yes. We're down, we were down 300 points in two days, Monday and Tuesday this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we rallied back 42 yesterday. Mm-hmm. We're up 16 currently today, having been down 50. So we've rallied uh, 66 points uh, from its lows today. So we're, we're doing we're doing better, but um, so not out of the woods. The um, result season is, um, is now our focus. And uh, one of the bright spots, of course, was the gold stocks. Continuing being bright stock, uh, yeah, bright, bright spots, very bright. Um, yeah, no gold. Um, gold has been doing very well. It's up above fifteen hundred US an ounce, uh, which equates to um, around two hundred and twenty two thousand two two thousand two hundred and twelve dollars in Aussie dollar terms. So these guys just think it's Christmas. Um, gold miners around Australia in Aussie dollar terms. Think it's Christmas. Not only is it great for the for the Aussie dollar gold price, but of course um, the oil price has come under pressure as well on the back of um, all these global growth fears. And as a result, the oil price has fallen. So um, that's a double whammy for them. So they use a lot of diesel and stuff like that out in, in their operations <laughs> in the middle of um, nowhere. So yeah, two um, two positives going well. And then um, CBA came out with the results and. Um yeah. Another nine hundred ninety-six million of remediation costs, and yeah. and uh, and but you know there was a bit of relief though. The dividends held steady at the moment. The dividends held steady. Um, it was there was a little bit of disappointment in that they didn't uh, put in a special dividend. Um, there was some hopes that they might uh, they might pay some some extra, um, and they didn't. Um, and. Um, the stock's come off a little bit after this. Um, it's come down from about 81 bucks to 78.30, so under a little bit of pressure, but nothing really dramatic. There was um, nothing really to spook the horses too much in the results, I have to say. Um, just a bit of underperformance now in the banks. Right, and then, of course, AMP. There's media chit-chat 
no doubt probably leaked from AMP that they're looking to raise additional capital to fund their restructure costs. Not just chit-chat, Stephen, it's all official. Ah, well, it uh, wasn't when I left the office to come over here to talk to you. They, they, uh, they brought out their results at uh, 8.30 this morning, not a particularly fine set of numbers, I have to say. Um, they've adopted a, a whole new strategy. They're going to be pushing AMP capital. They're going to be writing off a lot of money in AMP wealth, um, a sort of $2.5 billion hit there. They have sold their life business, which was sold and then off, and now they've resold it to the same people for a slightly tweaked deal, and they are raising $650 million bucks at a dollar fifty. Right. That's, let that one settle. A dollar fifty. dollar fifty. Now, yeah. why, why are we surprised about this? Well, when it first demutualized, AMP was at $20. Right. That is a lot less. <laughs> a lot less. And the last capital raising was at five dollars, wasn't it? Something like that, five thirty or something. Um, five dollars thirty. Yeah. Thursday finance, and it is our market update now, with Henry Jennings and Stephen Pritchard. Back, Henry. Back, Stephen. We are. And uh, West Farmers have uh, received regulatory approval to to acquire Catch Group, which is Australia's largest pure play online retailer. So, yeah, so that's interesting. It is. I mean, it's, it's it's good to see West Farmers are doing a few bits and bobs. Um, of course, they bid for that uh, for the rare earths by uh, mm-hmm. Linus, and they took out Kidman Resources, which is a lithium play, and now they're moving into the digital space a little bit more uh, with this Catch Group, which uh, used to be Catch of the Day, and it does sort of uh, online offers and uh, sort of stuff that has not sold elsewhere and those sorts of things. It's a bit like Groupon, I guess. It's, yeah. it's kind of the Australian version of Groupon. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, I guess it's uh, good news for, um, for West Farmers at the moment and um, things are heading in the right direction. The stock price has even not been quite as volatile as the rest of the market and then it seems that the market seems to like what uh, Rob Scott's doing at the moment in terms of his acquisitions. So um, they're up 23 cents today. So, yeah, positive. <laughs> And um, and uh, SCA Property Group, which owns a lot of the uh, smaller neighbourhood type centres, yeah. um, came out with interesting comment that they're prepared to accept uh, lower rent for more sustainable tenant base. Do they have any choice? Not really, no. No, I not think um, so. <laughs> No, I mean, I guess this is this is the problem that a lot of these um, uh, REITs have um, is that if they have big vacancies, um, then uh, or they have the threat of vacancies, then they have to kind of accept what they can. Retail is not going particularly well. Although I have to say, Katmandu came out with their results this morning, and then they didn't look too bad at all. So uh, maybe there is hope. Um, but uh, SCA, um, they've kind of been bouncing around. They're not the most. Um, no, they're, they're not that volatile. They bounce from $2.40 to $2.60. They're about $2.60 at the moment. They've got a nice big fat yield. Um, and, of course, when you've got interest rates, 10-year bond rates below 1%, then a stock like STSCA um, starts to look relatively attractive, um, especially as its yields around 5.7%. And if you think that we're going to see the economy stabilise with uh, lower interest rates and uh, tax cuts, then maybe that's why people would buy it, but I'd prefer to keep my powder dry and buy other real estate investment trusts like the 
Goodman Group, which has more exposure logistics and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And then the other probably trust a bit in the news was BWP Trust, which which owns a lot of the Gooding, uh, the Bunnings uh, site. The Bunnings. Yes, yeah. and they've sold yeah. some properties. They have. They, I mean, they are 4.8%, so they're not doing too badly. Um, but, yeah, they have uh, they have sold a couple of properties along the way. Um, but this has been one of the um, the big, I guess, one of the good performers in the um, in the market, in the REIT sector, because it has got a pretty stable tenant that does pretty well. Um, and, you know, Bunting seems to be this behemoth that continues to rattle along without too many troubles. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why people like um, West Farmers now, having got rid of um, the, um, the coal side of things, uh, Bunnings is the big attraction there. Mm. And, of course, BWP also said earlier in the week that um, they haven't bought any properties because they basically think they're all overvalued. Yeah, well, yeah, well there's probably something to be said for that as well. Yeah, and so Transurban, which is uh, toll rate operators, listed their yeah. dividend or distribution? Yeah, well, they, they came out yesterday with their results, and they went into a trading halt because they've uh, bought um, a bit of the M5 they don't already own, which is 35% of that. Um, and they're raising 500 million bucks and maybe even a little bit more on an SPP. And um, they're keeping their powder dry. They're looking for more acquisitions. And uh, it looks like, um, you know, they've, they're off a little bit today because of that, um, that uh, placement they've had done at 14.70 so around 15 bucks just down around one and a half percent but it looks um it looks kind of interesting and you've got to say that these guys are really tied up the whole sydney market now pretty much um and they've 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 put a stranglehold on every single road um so you're around. yeah you're trapped you've got to pay the tolls so, uh, um, it, it's, it's a great long-term investment and of course with interest rates as low as they are um it's got added appeal as well and do you have any thoughts on the um, the Royal Funds Management's uh, report that came out? Um, yeah, there's a company called Bonitas who used to be called uh, Glaucus, which were the guys behind the attack on Quintus and Blue Sky. Um, they put out a report, I think it was on Monday, it uh, seems a long time ago now, yeah. um, suggesting that the company was worthless. Um, the stock fell 42%. The stock came back on today, having employed uh, Ernst & Young to rebuff every line of the thing. Um, and the stock's up. Have a guess. 40 40%. 40%. 40%. Yep. So down 42%, up 40%. So, um, yeah, we're pretty much back to <laughs> kind of where we are. But you do get the feeling that these guys that attacked uh, rural funds um, are going to come back at some stage. So uh, they were around $2.35 before the, um, before the attack, and now they're $1.90. So there, there has been some damage done to the stock price, obviously. Um, but um, a big fall, big bounce. Um, they seem to have uh, silenced the critics for now, but I imagine at some stage the Bonitas boys will come back with another go at it. They don't give up easily, these guys. It's probably like us, Henry. We'll be back exactly. next week too. We will. We will. Looking forward to it. Bouncing okay. back. Thank Bouncing you, Henry back. Jennings. Thanks, Henry. <laughs> he is Hi. Senior Market Commentator at Marcus Today. Thursday Finance. Now, we're going to take a look at the financial advice process. If you are just wondering how it works and why it might be able to work, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Stephen Pritchard financial advice is it a good idea well uh, a lot of people you know there's a lot of talk about getting financial advice and 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 there's a lot of misunderstanding about what what it's actually involved so i thought we'd just go through some of the processes and and what we can achieve so basically financial advice is about um, helping you determine what your goals are and how to achieve them um Mm -hmm. most people have got some kind of 
some kind of goals, although you'd be surprised how many people just seem to wander from one one thing to the other. Yeah. Yeah. So awareness is good. Yeah, so awareness is good. So you need to look at what your financial generally look at what people's financial goals are and how they wanna how they want to achieve them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And part of that is, you know, part of the other things that can be discussed is um how to make the most of your money. Um, you're surprised how many people have got lots of money just sitting in that call accounts at the the local, or the, you know, the bank or the billing society or the credit union, and you can double your return by just doing simple things, moving it across to a, a three month term deposit or something. Mm-hmm. People just let it sit there, mm. yeah. not thinking about not it, not thinking about it, you know, and, and not even taking any more risk. Mm-hmm. In the same institution, you're, you you know, at call account, you're lucky to get one, but term deposit for Six months, you'll get two. So you double your money with that. Very little work. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so you need to. Um, some of the outcomes of this is, you know, you can feel more control in your in in of your finances and and your life. And a lot of things that people worry about. If you go to someone who's dealt with them before, they're not such a big. They're not really such a big issue. Um, and you can avoid expensive mistakes. Yes, simply by not realising where you're going and what's happening. Where you're going and what you're doing, what yeah. other options are available there yeah. that might suit you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, various orders you undertake, transactions can have a different result. Lots of things you can look at. And, and protecting your assets. Um, yes. There's various ways you can protect your assets. Does that always involve insurance? Uh, no, 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 the no, other no, 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 no. I mean, if, you, if you're going to start a new business or something like that, you know, we've, we've kind of got this saying that don't miss, mix uh, risks and wealth. and, and so Don't mix risks risk and, and wealth. wealth. Yeah, okay. So, so you can set up various structures to, to run the business in or move your assets in. And, and you know, so that, okay. that's some expert advice that would, would come under financial planning. Yeah. So basically, you know, financial planning, you know, generally you need to get some advice if you've got um, – Large amounts of cash just sitting in the in the in your cash account, uh, at call account, and and the advice might be as simple as you know move that to a term deposit. And you should really think about doing that yourself anyhow. You really don't need financial advice for that, but um, but that's what you should be thinking about. Um, um, if your if your life changes for any reason, if you uh, you know you get an inheritance, uh, you retire, um, even if you want to a lot of ch- Families are now wanting to put some money aside for their for their children. There's a few products available where you can put a hundred dollars a month in, and you know we've got a little Excel spreadsheet, and most people have that you can work out what the the you know a hundred dollars a month makes a big amount of money by the time they're 21. Um, and and retirement, of course, is a big thing that most people then seek financial advice. But a lot of times, really, you should look back 10 years before you're going to retire. I mean, you know the. Mm. Mm. Come, in, come, in, more, come in to see me next week and say we want to retire on X amount of dollars tomorrow. Yeah, that's and, not and, a good idea. You know, you've got 300000 and you want to have 100000 a year income. It's, it's just not going to happen. This is Thursday Finance on to a new RFM and Stephen Pritchard. We're thinking about the financial advice process and it's always good to know how something works. Yeah, so 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 generally what happens is you'll you'll, you'll make a, an appointment to come in um, and then um, we, we or other firms would have a you'd have a meeting with one of the advisors there and at that stage they they should should talk to you about um, 
what you're hoping to achieve and what your what your goals are. And then they should give you a financial needs analysis or some other document similar to that, which has basically got all your uh, all your um, financial details in. And you need to you need to go away and fill that in as best you can because the the quality of the advice is, you're going to get is going to be based on the information that that you've supplied. Mm. Um, mm. You know. So you've now, got to be upfront about that's it. That's right. So generally, you know, and it also depends what advice you're after, right? So if, if you're just after some some simple advice on, you know, to investing money for your children, you're probably not going to fill the financial needs. And that's, but if you're talking about retirement, you need to fill the section in about how much money you need to live on. And that comes as a bit of a shock to people. I mean, they, they don't really realise how much they're spending until they put that down in a lot of cases. Because you forget about some of the bigger ticket that. items That's that right. don't come up yeah, all that yeah. often. And there's a, we've got, there's quite a, these documents are generally quite detailed and they're designed to cover off on every possibility. So, so a lot of it probably isn't applicable. But, you know, what it your living be. expenses mm. are, your house, do you own your house? Did you have a home loan? What personal loans? What credit card debts? Um, cars? You know, are you planning a holiday? Are you planning to replace a car? All, all these type of things need to you need to sit down and, and one of the purposes of the financial needs analysis, as we call it, but, you know, other people have got names like fact finders and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, is to make you sit down and think about what, what you're actually spending your money on now, what you want to spend it on in the future and, and, and pull out some of your records and, and put all this together. And like I said, you know, the quality of that information you supply is going to reflected in the final advice outcome. Mm-hmm. Poor quality information, it's likely the advice isn't going to end up with what you want. Um, so then after that, you should, at some stage, you should get uh, uh, some kind of engagement letter or a costs agreement or some similar type document, which should set out um, what's going to be done, how the advice, the scope of the advice, um, the fees involved, and how you go about proceeding from there. From so there. that's when you make your decision. That's where you make your decision whether to, yeah, whether what you're going to do then. Um, so, so assuming you're happy with the fees um, um, and, the, and the scope of the advice that's set out in this, this written document, um, um, you then the advisor should prepare what's called a statement of advice. Now, because of regulatory requirements, um, these things, these documents are getting um, bigger and bigger and bigger. So, um, the, the, so that that's probably going to be somewhere between a twenty and forty page document these days for most people. Mm, okay. Um, we've done a lot of work trying to cut ours down. I know a lot of our firms are, but you still end up with twenty pages. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So bring your because that's it keeps bringing out these policy guides that say you've got to include all this. Yes. Yep. Yes. So so yeah. So you need to you need to um, you need to um, the advisor will give you a statement of advice, which is um, a document required by the Corps Act, and you need to make sure, and the particular thing you need to make sure is they usually put an outline of what their advice is based on. That's the bit to check to make sure that what you have told them is what's reflected in the document. Mm-hmm. Now, if upon reading the statement of advice, um, it's not what you've expected, but if it's what you've said in the document, um, that's really your fault. 
Right, so you do need to check things there. Yeah, so you need to check things and make sure you've put the right stuff in there to start with. Yes. So um, so the the, the, the outcomes, the goals in the statement advice need to align with what you've provided. So you need to go through the strategy. Uh, You need to think about um, the strategy and then um, if you're happy... um, We've got any questions on the statement of advice? Now's the time to raise them. Now's the time to raise them about the strategy implementation. Then go. Then you know, they're usually required to sign off on the strategy. There's usually a, a period to implement it, depending on what it is. And then you know, most important, you need to consider: Do you want ongoing advice services? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, some people do, and some people don't. Some people say no, and then realise they've made a mistake. Um, so you need to think carefully about. But you can change your mind. You can if you change your mind. Yeah, 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 of course, so, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. all of those things. Yeah, so you can change your mind. Yes. So the costs, um, costs involved. I mean, this is this is our approximate costs, and different firms have got different cost structure. Um, um, so usually, we usually most firms don't charge for um, the initial interview, right? And that's usually should only be more. That shouldn't shouldn't be more than about half an hour to an hour, I'd estimate. You know, mm-hmm. They should give you the stuff to go away with and fill in. Mm-hmm. Um, then there'd usually a, uh, a fee for the preparation of a statement of advice. Yes. Um, you'd expect to pay a minimum of $2,000 plus for that, depending how mm-hmm. complicated. The statement of advice. Yeah. And then ongoing would the ongoing be, advice you'd is, expect to pay for that as well. You'd expect to pay for that as well. Okay, thank you, Stephen Pritchard. And thank you, Jane. Let's uh, look at uh, Thursday Finance today on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.